The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I know you watched Thursday Night Football because the Giants were on last night, but I think we're going to connect real fast before he has a game tonight with Jersey Shore Blue Claws manager Chris Adamson. Why don't you give him a little intro and let's give him a a talk and say hello. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Okay. So, you know, Chris, I I got a quick question for you. First of all, congratulations, because you are now the guest who lives the farthest from the radio station. Yes. We've never had anybody on from Australia, so we're doing good there. (laughs) Amazing honor. I'm going to cherish that one. (laughs) (laughs) Forget titles. Forget teaching people. Yes, you've you've been a a guest on the show. We appreciate that. Go ahead, Jeff. So, so Chris, we we read somewhere that in in your time during COVID that you were learning Spanish. Correct. Correct. So you don't. You don't. You don't exactly have a Philly accent. So, so what exactly does a a a Spanish language Australian accent sound like? Probably got a bit more of a southern twang, I would think. Um, my, I guess my tongue's not as malleable, rolling the R's and whatnot. So I need some guys to kind of piece it together for me. But, you know, if effort counts, then I'm doing my best, I guess. And, you know, there's some other guys that are kind of a security blanket for me. And, you know, we try and get the message across as best that we can. All right. So we've, we've been to a bunch of spring trainings now. And one of the things, one of the frustrations we always see with the developmental guys is the pitchers don't seem to want to st- throw strikes, or at least they're not very good when they're younger at throwing strikes. So can you say, th- I know I'm putting you on the spot. Can you say throw strikes in Spanish? <laughs> uh- I can't. I can definitely say it in Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Without the expletives in between. (laughs) So so you mentioned Australian. You're somebody who transitioned from a 130-game player for Adelaide to an assistant coach to a manager over there to over here. Can you talk about the ride that you've been on and and how those experiences shaped you before you ended up here with the Blue Claws? It's been pretty crazy, to be honest. I... um... So once I finished college, obviously I wanted to keep playing and affiliated baseball over here didn't really work out. So I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to go down there and play. And, you know, that just really opened my eyes to, you know, what professional sports was like, albeit on a different scale. But being around those guys on a daily basis was was huge. And it really just, you know, reiterated to me that there was so much that I don't know. So at that point, I just really tried to, I guess, dig as deep as I could into exactly what I'm, learning you know the craft of you know the game was was a big part so I used the back end of my playing to kind of just learn as much as I could about you know the mental side of the game and the little intricacies of it so that was weird but then I also saw the writing on the wall you know obviously talent's a big factor and I was pretty limited in that regard so I just didn't want to be away from the game so I approached the front office about my you know interest in coaching and I, I was very lucky that they were receptive to that and it gave me an opportunity pretty much straight off the bat as a, you know, assistant coach whilst I was still playing a little bit. And then there was a turnover in manager and 
I got given an opportunity with a really young team to to see how I went, and it was something that I'm forever grateful for. But um, yeah, I had some opportunities to go over to spring training previous to this with the Texas Rangers, and and that just really just solidified that you know coaching was something that I really wanted to do and help these young guys on their journey. And yeah, to be here, I got to pinch myself a lot, to be honest with you, given that you know I didn't play over here, and you know I've just been eternally grateful for for the opportunities that I've been presented so far. This is your first full season with the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. It's hard for me to say that. I'm so used to them for so many years being called Jeff, the Lakewood Blue Claws. Jeff's gone to so many games with his son when they were the Lakewood Blue Claws that he, it's a really hard transition for him. To yeah, I, I got I got to tell you, Chris, you are you are in one of the best minor league stadiums in the country. It, 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 to me, it's one of the, the best places to go to see a game. So what is it like for you to be coaching there and to have now a full season with these young guys who are for, for the most part, this is the first time they're playing this long a season. Yeah, it's been an unbelievable experience. Like I've got got to see some cities and towns that I ordinarily wouldn't have been able to see. And every time we go back to Lakewood again, that just really solidifies to me how lucky we are to be able to, to move around in that stadium and the support staff and front office are incredible there as well with the lengths that they've gone to, to keep us safe from a COVID perspective and, you know, make sure that we're adhering to all the protocols, but just the facility, as you said, is, is incredible. Like that stadium is something else. And, you know, they get, they get some pretty nice crowds there as well. They get really into it. So it's just, yeah, it's a pretty surreal experience to be honest, coming from Australia to, to be able to see this every day. And it's something that's, yeah, it's incredible, but yeah, they do a great job there and it's a beautiful stadium, as you said. So really lucky and to be a part of, a lot of these kids' first full season is really good and be on that learning journey with them, you know, learning about themselves and the game. We're all kind of riding that wave together. It's been a yeah, really special experience for me. You've had some unique experiences. You're supposed to start last year, then everything slowed down. You're doing Zoom meetings in the middle of the night with your players to stay connected and learning Spanish. Now, instead of your players living with host families, you've got basically the Hotel Blue Claws going on over there where everybody's over there. Tell us what it's been like with some of these adjustments and stops and starts over the last year and the excitement to be back at it now. Yeah, last year was obviously different for everyone, but, you know, we were really lucky in that the, the Phillies looked after us and, and kept us, you know, engaged. And, and those meetings, whilst they were at funky hours for me, they were just a way for me to continue to learn about the people and the processes within the Phillies organization and then start to get to know some of the players that I didn't already know that little bit more as well from a distance. And, you know, it just gave us time, if nothing more, to actually, you know, really evaluate individuals and even ourselves and identify some of our own weaknesses and and try and address them to best prepare ourselves for this year so yeah it was definitely a little bit clunky but it's definitely just made everyone so so grateful to be able to be on the field every day last year for a lot of people in a lot of different industries it kind of shook a lot of cages in that what we love and what we get to do can get taken away so quickly so if unfortunately it took a pretty drastic situation to remind us all of that but it gives you some pretty nice context so as i said we're just really grateful and very thankful for the opportunities that we have and you know it's been a funky ride but it's one that i wouldn't change for the world one of the things that in past seasons you've seen in minor league baseball especially in the younger at the lower levels is sometimes there's sponsors who who house some of the players and they're living all over the place this year um I guess one of the benefits of, of what's happened with COVID is they're all living in one place. Do you see these guys bonding in a way that maybe you haven't seen in the past? Yeah, it's definitely, 
it's almost a little bit more of a family atmosphere, you know. So it's you know even from little things like helping guys who don't have cars get to and from the field and get around on off days and those things. That that's really cool. And and for guys to just learn about one another more than just what happens at the field. I think that's something that at times gets lost and you're kind of just in this baseball bubble. But um, being around each other on off days and whatnot actually allows them to be able to hang out on more of a social level, which I think is, you know, invaluable, not only in obviously their development as baseball players, but just as people as well. And the guys are just really lucky that the Phillies and the Blue Claws together to actually take care of their housing. It's just one, it's an extra load that's not there for those guys. And they just know that, if you have to move to a different affiliate when you come home, you know, you don't have to worry about looking for a house on, on a really short, short-term basis or anything like that. So it's, um, it's just something that, yeah, they're, they're grateful for. And I think they are pretty tight-knit group, which has been really cool to watch. You've been able to work with players at different stages at Lakewood this year just because of the, the path of some of them on. So you've got some of the younger guys like Bryson Stott that you've worked with. But then at the same time, you've got guys like Sir Anthony Dominguez who are working their way back up and building it up. Can you talk about the different approaches you have to take with the players and then maybe we'll get into how some of them are looking to you? Yeah, so I'm one of my big beliefs just like in coaching and kind of life is just you know, to try and communicate with people effectively in a variety of different ways. And obviously with the young guys being a little bit earlier in on their journey, it's just a matter of helping them to understand what, gets them best prepared you know so we we kind of do a little bit more of the planning and setting things for them whereas those older guys you know sir anthony when he was here or adam hazley and guys like that that have been in and around the place they they know what it takes for them to have the best chance of success and how to prepare so it's good for the young guys to see that as well that you know how you can almost create your own philosophies or really understand your own body and your own like developmental journey um, to actually see how they work. And that's been something that I think has been really good for the young guys to, to see what we're doing, you know, from an organisational standpoint. But as you continue to, to progress, really understanding what it takes to give you the best chance of success. So that's been something that's been really valuable for me to see from an external standpoint, but also for the younger kids to see just what it takes on a daily basis also. You talked about philosophies. You're, you're a younger coach. So you've had the opportunity to be around people like Gary Jones, Pat Borders, Joe Girardi, what have you taken away from them or what have you enjoyed learning from them? Well, just one of the beauties of baseball is that there's no one way to do anything, which I think is it's one of the, the beautiful things about the game and, and just their ability to, you know, be flexible with, with whether it's the way that they're delivering a message to a variety of different guys, you know, or the way you're, you're instructing and the way you're teaching something is really good. But just understanding that each individual player is is different both not only in the way that they move from a physical perspective but even just in the way that they learn and the way they prefer to be communicated with i think that's something that's invaluable and just just being around those guys and i'm a big believer that i was born with two ears and one mouth you know so when i'm around those guys i try and do as much listening as i can and you know if there's something that i feel i can put into the conversation fantastic but you know, there's just a lot that I can learn just by by listening, you know, and, and just, you know, being able to action that with guys on all different ends of their journey is something that I think is just unbelievably beneficial. But ultimately, just the importance of being able to build relationships and communicate with people, I think, is invaluable. Jeff wishes I'd practice that two ears, one mouth ratio a little more when we do the show together. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you coach Jason? <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do my 
not a miracle worker though. So just, uh... <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? You're not the first coach we, and manager we've come across that said that when they've come across <laughs> me. So I'm kind of getting used to it and don't even get offended by it. <laughs> so, so you've had the, the opportunity to, to coach guys like Logan O'Hoppy. What do you see when you see Logan and especially Bryson Stott, who was just named the Phillies minor league player of the year? Oh, they're, they're, you know, really special. So Stott's obviously super talented and, you know, he had a lot of, obviously being a first round pick, there's a lot of attention on him anyway. But, you know, to come here and do exactly what he needed to do in order to, to go to double A, you know, was just something that was, was pretty cool to watch. You know, there was a little bit of disappointment initially, but then he just took it as an opportunity to go on, you know, to just prove himself, you know, potentially prove to other people but just the way he went about it and he's he, he probably doesn't get as much credit for just his knowledge of the game and you know his internal clock is is one of the better things that i've seen in a young player and that was yeah really impressive to see and and logan he he was a funny one we've, we've had a long relationship i actually had him in australia before i was even hired by the phillies which was pretty cool so to see him and to see what he did this year to go from a guy that was on the radar to, to firmly entrenched on that radar. It's just, it's just been, you know, really cool to see them. And he's a super mature guy, you know, for a 21 year old kid, you got to almost remind yourself of his age. It's something that's, that's pretty impressive, but just the way he works and prepares is, is second to none. I've never seen a young kid like it. And just, if he continues to do that. He's going to get to play this game for a long time. So I'm just very lucky to be able to be a small part of their journey. All right. Well, before we let, we really appreciate you giving us the time, but before we let you go, you're spending your summer at, at the boardwalk, basically. One of the great things about being down at the Jersey Shore is the boardwalk. Hopefully, you've gotten a chance to do it, so I got to ask. Funnel cake or meat pie? Oh, look at you. Oh. <laughs> Jeff, I'm trying to choose one of your children my favorite. Jeff asks uh, the difficult food questions on the show. I, I would have to say purely because I'm a patriot, um, a meat pie, but... Uh, <laughs> But the final cake is I'm definitely not opposed to that either. It's 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 all it's all been a part of it and yeah, I've definitely partaken in a whole bunch of that stuff. So it's it's been really cool, but I'm an Australian at heart, so I'm gonna have to say meat pie, so my apologies there. Well, because of Ben Ben Simmons it seems to have gotten the meat pie uh, established in Philadelphia. So we're wondering, is Jersey is the are the Jersey Shore Blue Claws gonna serve meat pie? Working on it. <laughs> I, I think they're gonna have to. I think if you know, if we win the next three games, if we went out, I think I'm just going to have to, to mention that, you know, just as a little reward to the guys. Let's get some, some baked treats into them. Sounds, sounds like you got something to negotiate over for the next time. Uh, Chris Adamson, thank you so much for the time. Wish you the best of luck tonight, and uh, great to catch up with you. Thanks so much. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. You take care. Jeff, what a fun time to talk to him. What, what, a, what a blast. Uh, it just, you know, you you get to talk to the, the managers that they get to talk to the players and, and work so much with them. Tell me your thoughts before we go to Keith. I, I just think, you know, as a young player, he seems like a guy that I'd want to learn from about life and about baseball. You know, it, it just seems like, it just seems like it would be a fun time. I definitely think it would be fun. You know what else would be fun? Oh, uh, uh, well, it might be fun for you, but I don't think it's going to be fun for me and Keith, right? Keith Pompey. I've been watching you on fire <laughs> on Facebook. Um, you were not a fan of what you saw on Thursday night football last evening. Where are you, sir? Me no hot blind glaze. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Keith, Keith, you, I don't know if you were listening to the prior interview, <laughs> but that, that could not have been a better response because we just had on an Australian baseball manager who learned how to speak Spanish. 
And so we asked him oh, okay. what things sounded like in Spanish when he was saying it to players. Keith, I'm going to get to the baseball, but I can't let you and Jeff go. And well, I'm not. Well, well, here, but here's the problem. So, Keith, every Friday show starts with Jason asking me if I watch Thursday night football. And, and normally the answer he can is say no. always no. And, and today I wish the answer was no. I don't know about you, but I can't, ta- I, I can't take another 0-2 start. Five in a row is enough. Keith, I know you stayed up to watch it, too. Jeff, on the other yeah, hand, just stopped replying to my text messages at some point. Oh, no, I was responding to Keith. So I just wasn't <laughs> responding to yours. <laughs> Keith, what happened, man? I thought you guys had it. Hey, you know, when uh, uh, the doubt creeped in when uh, when Danny Slug, Danny Dimes, when Danny Dimes had that breakaway touchdown, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next thing I'm like, yo, why they at the twenty? <laughs> why they at the twenty? <laughs> right? And then, and then when the guy dropped the the wide open touchdown, I thought of you old. and Jeff when that when yeah. that ball was dropped. I was like, yeah. oh, I got Keith on tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. By the yeah, way, you know, by the way, Keith and I were texting each other. I wasn't responding. Yeah. To you. <laughs> Probably about <laughs> me, and now I wasn't going to let you guys hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's the funny part is like the the thing is the. Giants may be the most undisciplined f- football team on any level. Like, I'm talking about peewee, <laughs> high school, college, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and the, But the Redskins are just trash, in my opinion. They're just a horrible football team. And the fact that, you know, it took uh, a penalty, a, one touchdown callback, another touchdown uh, uh, dropped, and – a guy going offsides on the last play of the game for you to be able to get a game-winning uh, kick. I don't know if I should be happy or I should just rip up, like, my my Giants poster. You know what I mean? It's just... Wait, you have a Giants poster? But that tells you how bad the Redskins are. Huh? You have a Giants poster? I have... Well, you know what it is? not really a poster. I have a... You, like, this is how weird it is. You remember... When um they we made that well the Giants made that catch Tyree made that catch yep. in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. well I have the uh, that Sports Illustrated cover framed and yeah so it's not really it's a it's a cover it's not a poster but it's a fr- it's framed and um you know I'm like dude where is David Tyree <laughs> wait 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 more- <laughs> More, and we're talking David Tyree. <laughs> yeah, more more importantly, how many people now who complained about Eli Manning want him back? Uh, me? <laughs> well, well, look, I'll be honest. No, right. As an Eagles fan, I love the Eli face. So you could have him back, too. <laughs> no problem at all there. Keith, before we get to the basketball, I will let you go off a little bit about the start of the season for the Dallas Cowboys as well because I, I know how much you enjoy giving your critiques of them. Well, you know, here's the thing. Like, so everyone knows. Like, let, let, let's be real. And and Jeff has to be honest too. We know that the Giants are going to struggle. Everyone does. And every, but I think what I do is, I just try to have fun and I make fun of everyone's team. Right now, I enjoy getting into it with the Eagles fans. I enjoy getting into with the uh, the Cowboys fans because they partake in it, the back and forth. The ones I don't really like are the are the Redskins fans because they're like quieted and quieted in church mouse, right? When when <laughs> church mice like before the game, and then whenever they win their fifth game, they're like, oh wow, like you know, they, you know, they, they think that Dexter Manley is playing or somebody like that. You know what I mean? They bring it back. 
So those are the ones I don't like. Like, you know, you go into the game, you know, people joke about Danny Dimes. You know, we, we talk about the defense always playing prevent. But we know that. But we just want to have fun and we get into a back and forth. But, you know, so, yes, I make fun of the Cowboys fans. I make fun of the Eagles fans. But it's all just and just. The Redskins fans are the ones who they don't have any faith in their team. But after they win that fifth game, it's like let's have a parade and let's gloat until the, the two days later because they're scared because they know everybody's preparing for the next team. Well, well, whatever, well you know? usually when they win their fifth game, there's only one or two games left. Too. We had overreaction yeah, weekend true. here in Philadelphia. We won one game and all of a sudden Super Bowl, <laughs> best team ever. Jalen Hurts MVP. I'm not going there, but they are going to be better than I think I thought they were. Well, they'll be better than the Giants in Washington. Well, that's not saying very yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? They have the shiniest trash can on the block. Hey, it's still <laughs> a shiny trash can, though, Keith. Speaking of shiny trash cans, we got training camp coming up. <laughs> training camp opens in less than two weeks. I, I can't think of anybody better to break it down. I guess I got to start with Ben. Willie or won't he be at training camp, be on the team at the start of the season, be and da- be traded? Be dating a Jenner. <laughs> I didn't go there. <laughs> and be traded. <laughs> Answer any of those three. You know, it, that, that's a great question. I guess that's the million-dollar question. Um, I, he's not. I doubt if he'll be at training camp. You know, I mean, you hear the latest now where the 76ers are coming out saying, hey, if he doesn't show up, we're going to find him, right? And um, basically, to me, that's saying that they basically know he's not going to be there and they're trying to stay out in front of it. You know what I mean? Trying to stay out in front of it like, hey, look, it's nothing we did wrong. He just didn't show up. And, and you know, and then also, you know, teams posture both sides. Like he posture saying, I'm not coming. Well, they're posturing and saying, if you don't come, you're going to get fined. Now, I do believe that if he does come, I think that they would really want him to leave because the circus right now, it's going to be a circus no matter what because everyone's going to keep asking, where's Ben, where's Ben, where's Ben? But if he comes and if he acts a certain way after a while, then it's, it's just really going to be like what happened with James Harden and them. Now, I don't expect him to be on the season at the start. You know, I know the 76ers are saying otherwise. But when you look at the 76ers, if he doesn't want to be here, I mean, and and you look, they're talking about Joel Embiid being in his prime. You know, I think in, in their best interest is just to move on right about now. Because, you know, the longer you wait to trade him, especially if he doesn't want to be here, the longer you wait, the more that you're setting yourself further and further behind the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, name any other team uh, that's a con- we think is going to be a contender. So I think it's in the best interest for the 76ers to basically cut it loose yep. right about now. But how, but how do you do that? Forget that. I mean, the, his value is at his lowest at this particular moment, and every other general manager is licking their chops now knowing that if you want Ben Simmons, now's the time to get him, especially if he doesn't show up at training camp. So if you're the Sixers, how do you make that trade now? Is this really another first-round pick that we're just going to cut our losses? I mean, like I said this over and over again, you have to see, you know, you got to go to Portland and say, hey, can we get C.J. McCollum? I mean, you got to do whatever you can to get him. You might might only get Robert Covington at this point. 
uh, I mean, yeah, you, but you know, <laughs> but but I think like if the one thing about it, you're going to have to get a CJ or someone to make the the salaries uh, match. Now, again, if I'm Portland, they're probably saying, well, you're going to have to give me. You know, Maxi too, and, and maybe that's Matisse. my concern. What you have you know to I mean? dump yeah. to get rid of Ben? Like, it's not just yeah. getting rid of Ben or even getting value back for him. It's that you finally have some young guys who bring a little excitement that can actually dribble the ball on the team, and you're going to trade him away to get rid of the guy who can't dribble. Yeah, and see that that that's part of the problem when it comes down to holding on a little bit too long. You know, a lot of people want them. I, I feel like when when they during the draft, see, because on the drag draft you can get a lot of different moving parts and stuff like that. I think that you know when when it came down to it, and they were asking for all these first round picks, and you know you hear that some of that was because you know they wanted to get a third team involved, and they wanted to be able to give this team, you know, said team maybe some draft picks for it. But I feel like when you ask for that, you kind of priced yourself out, and now it's like. You know, like we say, his draft value is low just because, um, you know, he didn't want to report. He's not reporting to training camp because he he requested a trade. Now, but the thing is, you know, from what I'm hearing, and I haven't been on the phone with anybody like this week asking questions, but from what I was hearing, there were a lot of teams still interested. They just didn't want to give up the James Harden prices or, you know, something like that you would give for an MVP type candidate. They just didn't want to do it, you know? So so that's the that's the thing. Well of, of course everybody's interested if you can get something for nothing. I mean it, that that's the problem. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of teams that are interested, but what do they have or what do they even want to offer? And if they don't want to offer anything, do, can the Sixers find a way to repair this? I mean I can't imagine having a worse off season than the Sixers have had. I don't see how they repair it, though. And it's it's everyone. I mean, look, it's even the letting the clubhouse guy go. I mean, it, it just seems like every move the Sixers have made this off season has been a misstep. But they have called you for tickets. So. <laughs> <laughs> a way to call that out. <laughs> You're getting them, Jeff? You're they, getting them? They, wa- they want Jeff down there bad. <laughs> he may rip him on the radio, but they want him there hanging out. <laughs> So, so, hey man, money spins, right? <laughs> money talks, BS walks. So, so I mean, what? So, what do you hear from from the rest of the team? I mean, what what is their mood? At, I I know what we're hearing publicly. They seem to the players, at least like Joel, are trying to say the right thing. But when it comes to the behind the scenes, the reporter work, and I want to talk to you about the difference between re- reports from a real reporter versus clickbait at some point, but. What are you hearing or what are you seeing from the team as their mood about how how this is going to resolve or how this is impacting them? Um, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of guys haven't been around. But, you know, from what what I hear, you know, there's a lot of the unknown for a lot of people. You know, so let's just say if you have a young guy who's a, a, a tradable asset, an asset that people really like, you know, he's the type of guy that's saying, like, okay, am I going to be traded or not? I mean, it's just an uneasy situation for everyone because, you know, you take a team, and as much as everybody talked about last year, you know, initially this was supposed to be the year that the 76ers took a step forward. 
this was supposed to be the year that, you know, they challenged for a championship. The second year under, you know, the coaches, they can get some free agents. You know, maybe not max-type players, but they could thought that they could bring in some people, you know, make some trades. But now it's like you don't know what, what, what to expect, and you won't know anything until this is resolved. So, you know, players have to be a little uneasy. Do you think that the moves that they have made have made them just – if Ben stayed, the moves that they made, do they make them a better team? And, and do the young players, people like B-Ball Paul, are they going to have an impact on this team, or do you think that the Sixers see them as having an impact or just being bench players? Well, here's the thing. If you, if you, if you sell me that as a backup center, you know, I got uh, – Drummond, mm-hmm. right? And then you look at it, and Drummond is a little bit more disciplined ball player than than um, Dwight, right? He's younger than Dwight. Yeah, Dwight. So by the way, if Dwight were a football player, he would be on the Giants right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of those. So I mean, and, and and then you look at George Niang, and you and you have to compare him to Mike Scott. So you would have to say that that's an upgrade, that's an upgrade. right? That's an upgrade. You you look at Maxi and you see how Maxi has improved. You know Isaiah Joe showed you something. You know uh, during the summer league where he can you know come in and make shots. So you would say that that team would be a contender. Now again, you know that's if everything went right. You know what I mean? If Ben worked on his shot, if all this and all that, you know you would say that. But right about now, when you're not knowing. You say to yourself, like, um, are those two additions that they got, are they good enough to catapult this team to a championship? No. You know, no. I mean, because, no, it's not. So, but, like, if everything was right, you would say, okay, this team is, is going to be better because of continuity for the most part. You know, like, you, if Ben played better, you would feel a little bit more confident about his, his performance. You know, you would see a guy like uh, Seth Curry, how he involved in the playoffs and, and showed that he could be a guy that they really can depend on in big moments. You would have to say yes. But the biggest unknown now is, like, you don't know because of because of the Ben situation. Where is Matisse Seibel at this point? Is his confidence level higher than it's been given his Olympics performance, his performance at, at the end of the season? Where is he at now? I mean, yeah, his confidence has to be extremely high. I mean, you know, the thing is, you know, Matisse is the type of guy who, you know, you always said all he needed was a summer to work on his shot and and do things. I think the summer that he had was going to the Olympics, and let's face it, he played against some of the world's best players, especially Team USA. And it was one of those things where, you know, it was like, well, I couldn't tell that this guy – you know, struggled in the beginning of the season a little bit. Like, you can't tell me that he wasn't a starter on the Sixers. So, yeah, I think that really helped him out tremendously. All right. I'm going to move to – I'm going to let Jeff get into this, but I'm going to introduce it because the other night I sent Jeff a text message. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we get there, I do have one more actually Basketball question, question before yeah. we get to news. Stories. So, so okay. it, it, if Maxie's the intended point guard, if Ben were to leave, if you were the general manager, what position do you think that they would, if they could get whatever position it was, it was an equal player. What position do they most need if they trade Ben Simmons? A point guard. 
I mean, they're still going to need a point guard. I mean, I like Maxie a lot. Mm-hmm. I do. I like Maxie a lot. But at the same time, you know, you need a, a point guard that's also going to be able to distribute. You need a point guard that's going to, A, either come in and, and, and be the starter or compete for the starting role. You need a different type of point guard than Maxie. Like right now when I look at Maxie, and I like his game a lot, I do, but when I look at Maxie, he, you know, he's trying to learn how to, and he's working on it, but how to be a pure point guard who can go out there and score and do the things that he does. But right now, when you have a team like a Joel and with Joel Embiid as your feature player, when you have a team that has a shooter and Seth Curry, and you have Tobias Harris and Danny Green, your number one role has to be get these guys the ball. Yeah, distribute. Right? And distribute. And when I look at Maxie, believe me, I love his game. You know, and and they said in this summer that he was going to work on that and he was going to do a lot of that. And he tried and he did. But we can't say that he he wasn't a a score first point guard when he was playing in the summer league. And I, I think that he can work, he can come in, and he can do that quote-unquote, shake Milton role, right? But I believe that, honestly, right about now, that for Maxie, I feel like his best part or the best role for him is coming off the bench right now and being a change of pace if you can go out there and get another point guard. All right. So now now I'm going to get to the, the news or clickbait question. You're a reporter's reporter. You've been doing this since before you had to sell a headline on the internet. It was the headline in the paper and the writer. So the other day, story comes out about the Rockets and John Wall agreeing to potentially have him move on from the team. And I sent it to Jeff. Now, I assume his assumption back was that, oh, okay, the Sixers are just going to try and bed, trade Ben Simmons, and I'm saying that. I wasn't. I just thought it was newsworthy. But his response back was, this is clickbait, and I'm not reading it. What is clickbait to you? Because there's sources in news all the time. And to me, it was a legitimate story if both the Rockets and John Wall are kind of in agreement that they're going to move on from him, regardless of where he's going. Yeah, I get it. But there's a lot of people who, what he says by clickbait, and I get it. There's a lot of people now who they just come up with stuff. You know what I mean? Now, Now, again, this is one of those things where I think it's easy to link it. But then there are certain people who are in their mom's basement, right, or, or you know, you know, maybe in Costa Rica somewhere, chilling, drinking a, a, a drink, a refreshment, and they just throw up scenarios, you know what I mean, without talking to people. And, you know, my thing is you have to look at it, but you got to understand, I think a lot of people are thirsty right now. Everybody wants something to happen now, you know, and that's why all, that's why they call them, now, before, they used to say trade discussions or trade talks. Now it's called trade rumors because you can't decipher in the off season what's real and what's fake. You know, now, I do agree with you. The John Wall thing is something that, uh, you know, is, 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 is like he's a, he's a named person, right, a named guy. So you go into that. But, um, you know, it's funny, like, they didn't want him before, talking about Ben, and now it's like they want to go with a young guard tandem. So 
to me, I don't really know if they want him. And not only that, you know, John Wall has a contract that some people are saying are untradeable. Would you but even want John Wall break. here? Um, I, I don't know because I don't know. Jeff's like, shaking his head, you, no, Keith. Yeah, no way. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I mean, my thing is, you know, when you when you talk about the money that he has, and you have all this other stuff, you know, we're talking about a pass first point guard. I mean, it has to be Embiid. It has to be Tobias. You know, John can get his own shot. He can do this, but he's not really a good shooter. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I don't know, but there are some clickbait stories, though. I will say that. Yeah, and Keith, I know you got to get off in a minute, but but I just want to say, you know, I've known you for a while, and, and the reason that one of the reasons that we ask this question is because I see how frustrating it is to to talk to real reporters who and, and and if you could just give us sixty seconds of like what goes into a story versus just saying here's a trade rumor. Well, let's just put it this way: when I did the story with um, with with Ben Simmons. You know, I got a tip, and it was one of those things. I talked to the guy, and I'm like, oh, for real? You know, this and that. Well, the thing is, I contacted somebody else, and I said, did you hear this? And then they said, oh, yeah, I heard that too. And then all of a sudden, then you just start making the proper phone calls. That's what you have to do. Like, okay, prime example, I, I spoke to a reporter by the name of Tom Moore today. And Tom Moore is the guy who wrote the article where the Sixers said, hey, if he doesn't come, or a source close to the Sixers said, if he doesn't come, we're going to find him, right? So next thing you know, there was an article that I read today that said Tom Moore said, and it was basically a quote like that, like about Tom Moore's article Tom Moore wrote, but they kind of like paraphrased it, and it was basically like, He's going to be fined $308,000 per day or something like that. So, yeah, so I called Tom. I'm like, yo, where'd you get that number from? And he says, Keith, I didn't write that. I said, huh? (laughs) And he was like, nah. And I said, well, I thought there was an article I didn't know about. And he was like, nah, Keith, I didn't write that. I saw that on Twitter and was asking for advice what to do. I said, well, whoever tweeted it out, you have to, like, you know, tweet at the guy and like, yo, I didn't say this. But you understand what I'm saying? That's That was a guy doing clickbait, you know? So I could just, like, make up some stuff that you said here on the air and cause you a headache for the rest of the day and night? That's what people do. Oh, yeah. oh man. See, that's what Eagles fans do. Oh. Hey, hey, Keith, we're going to let you go. But before we let you go, prediction, Pitt versus Western Michigan tomorrow. Uh, Pitt 35, Western Michigan 20. There yeah. you go. Oh, better win that game. All right. All right. Keith, well, great Keith. to catch up with you, man. Thank you. All right, fellas. Thank you. Bye. Jeff, uh, so how do you feel? About what? Ben. That's <laughs> like, like, the, like, it, like, are you my therapist? Like, is, a, hey, is Jeff, there, how do you feel today? Is there another issue that the Sixers have right now that's more important than resolving that? No, the clubhouse Every, attendant thing is pretty bad. But but everything <laughs> no, okay. trickles on from that. Who's on your roster? What the rotation? He's looks one like. of two, your your two superstars. Of course, it. I mean, you have to resolve this issue. And I don't. I don't know if I agree with Keith because it, 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 unless they're not unless they're not certain that Tyrese Maxey is the answer, I don't know how you trade Ben Simmons for another really good point guard because then you have two starting point guards. To me, I think what you need is a shooting guard, or you need a, a, a small forward 
who, if they still use small forwards, <laughs> they exist in this league. Yeah, exactly. You, you need a shooter. I don't think you need another passer. I mean, I think you do, but I don't think that's the biggest thing that you want out of this trade. I think you're going to see a lot of rumors and a lot of clickbait. Like if you get if you get C.J. McCollum, you're not getting him because he's a point guard. You're getting him because he can shoot. You're getting him because the salary fits to move Ben. That is not who they want in this deal. Let's be honest; they don't want him. No, because they probably could have made that trade. Yes, they could have had him for months if they wanted to do that deal. So do you think? Do you think they're going to hold out, go into the season the way it is, and then say, "Can we get Dan?" Lillard if Portland falls out. I wouldn't be surprised if they play chicken. I just don't think it's an effective strategy. It destroys your whole team. I don't think Go. Portland's trading him. He's he for for people that don't know, Lillard's entrenched in that community. Keith mentioned something though. Like every day reporters are going to be there asking these guys, "What do you think about Ben? What do you think about they're Ben?" They're going to ask when, it, but they're going to ask it there. either way. Well, not if he's gone. Well, if he's traded, it's a one-time question. But I think what traded. he was talking about: were they going to ask it if he's in training camp or if he's going to if he holds out of training camp? Well, why don't we leave it there? Let's hit the break. When we come back, we got plenty of other sports to talk about. Baseball, stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains, and the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative (ELEC) puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are Jeff, ready I'm, to I'm get so to work. I'm so confused because um, you didn't ask Keith Pompey a food question. What happened? Well, but he's like from this area. Like the 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 only the only way it's fun is if you're comparing somebody's food from where they're from to our foods. Did you did you enjoy the meat pie answer? Were you surprised? Uh, I don't know. Just calling it meat pie makes it seem non appetizing, doesn't it? Well, let's stick with baseball for right now. But he was great. He was. I I mean, and and for people that don't know, he's young. I mean, he's thirty two years years old. old. He's making me feel like I haven't done anything in my life. I'm not going to be the one to comment on that one. Well, don't worry. I'll, don't worry. Lots of other people <laughs> you're, do. You're here with me. So, so, so <laughs> the bar is low, right? Apparently, I don't think that's very much yeah, as we right. talk about it on the air. So we were going to try and have Nick Davis on. Uh, we're going to try and get him on again. He is the director of uh, Once Upon a Time in Cream, Queens. Yeah, the thank 30 you. For thank 30. you to the airlines and the bad weather. Yeah, we'll work mm. on getting him on. But I, I know that Jeff spent a good amount of time this week watching it. I, I did too, but not to the extent. So for our listeners who aren't familiar, your background is a, a New York fan. You became more of a Philly fan. Well, I, I, yeah, went, I, but you grew I, I'm up from North, North Jersey originally. Yeah. So the the Giants, obviously, you're still mm-hmm. suffering with, yes. with that scar. Yes, every, every place else I transplanted, 30 except years ago, and, and except for the Giants. But, but that 86 Mets team for you was special, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, because, I mean, and, and Philadelphia fans can relate to this because the Phillies are bad for such a long period of time before before they get good. And the Mets were, if you go back to the teams in the, in the 70s and the early 80s with the Mets, there were no worse teams. They were putrid. They had the worst players. They traded away Tom Seaver. I mean, the, they could do nothing right, and then they were able to make all of these deals and at the same time hit on two prospects that, you know, other than the, the problems they had, wouldn't you like to have a Dwight Gooden and a Daryl Strawberry in your system? And, but 
they had so many problems and they got through that season. If you have not seen this special, it's called Once Upon a Time in Queens. It rivals the last dance. It's not just for Mets fans either. Like no. we're Philly. It's uh, not even for baseball. We're in Philadelphia. Fans. It, it was. I told you that this was probably that World Series, that postseason was probably my first real memory of sports. And my dad was from North Jersey, so mm-hmm. he watched a lot of the New York sports, even though he was a Philadelphia sports fan at that time. So I remember watching that. World Series. I I told you before the show. I thought Oil Can Boyd was just the coolest name. Well, and you, and you ever. can go through the the drug problems and the fact that Dwight couldn't miss the parade because he was supposedly at, at a, a drug house. They were they, all so open. Yes. They were all so candid in this, and that's why I really hope we get him on because I don't know that I've you and I have talked to other guests who have told us about Dwight Gooden's challenges. Yeah. To watch Dwight Gooden on camera talk about them himself. And basically juxtapose him watching the parade with acknowledging that he was in a drug house at the time was so compelling. It to was me. sad. It, it was it, just. It, it really was. And, and and you know you feel that like the, like there were stories in there. And I'm, we could go. It's four hours, but but there were stories in there about their 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 drug habits to the point that they were talking about when Len Bias died, and a couple days later, I think it was Daryl Strawberry called his dealer and said, I want the Len Bias stuff. Yes. I, I mean, and somehow they functioned to become world champions. Somehow they won a World Series. Yeah. I, I saw him say that in a different interview, Nick, that is the director, that people question how that Mets team didn't win more, 87, 88. His question is how they managed to survive and win that season. Right, but if you look at everything that, that, they that, did. that team, you had Keith Hernandez, you had Mookie Wilson, you had Lenny Dykstra before he went off the rails. You had um, uh, Gary Carter, who's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Dwight Good. You can just go through the list of, of how talent. Ron Darling, who's been on the show, was a great pitcher. I mean, you had a bunch of really great players on the team that should have won more than well, and look, I mean, you, you play it forward now. The Phillies are opening a series this weekend against the uh, Mets. Not quite the same Mets. Phillies are 74 and 72. They're three games out of first place and two by, and by a half way, out of the wild is, card. Is, is, well, except for the fact that they won. And if for anybody to tape the game that hasn't watched it, sorry if I spoiled it for you. But it, yesterday's game was almost the epitome of everything that is wrong with the team and right with the team. So, first of all, you started with the dreaded bullpen game. Find me somebody that says this is a good idea, okay? And if you're going to have a bullpen game, it doesn't mean you have to use one pitcher per inning. If you, if you decided that you're going to have more on this team, okay, M-O-O-R-E, he was a starter who was moved to the bullpen. You can't in a bullpen game put the guy in and only have him go one inning. Maybe he thought by bullpen game he meant every guy in the bullpen gets uh, in. He, he's, <clears throat> he's like coaching seven-year-olds and saying everybody plays. Like the problem is it's a bullpen game every five days now. Right. But so what happens in, and, and it's such a shame that Vito's not here because J.D. Hammer comes <laughs> in and has the perfect last name because he's getting hammered. I mean, he it, it was just a disaster. So the third inning is— And he was sent down today. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do they send him down? Who do they have to bring up? Well, that's been the question that you and I have had looking at the minor league system for months now. Right. So, okay, so, they, so they're so they down 7 nothing in the third inning. Kudos to anybody who left the game on at that point. Okay, so here's my problem. Yes. I did, and I really, really want to quit them, and I can't. 
Oh, see, I turned it off. The I only have, reason I turned it back on Jeff, is because you texted we me. We need an intervention. I have a problem. Yeah, but you don't listen to I me, want, so that, it would be a crappy I intervention. I desperately want to quit watching this Phillies team, and I can't. Well, guess what? And In and, two weeks, you have no choice so unless keep, you want to watch old prism shows. I keep watching, and you and I text like, here's where the bullpen's going to blow it again, and then the bullpen blows it again. They have now blown 32 saves this season. The Major League Baseball average is 22. The Braves have blown 23. If they blew 10 less saves, 10 fewer saves, they'd be dominating the division. They would be running away with the division right now. Yeah. That's how or be the wild card this team. Is. And not only that, if you look at their defense, the the fundamentals on this team are it's, disgusting. To be fair, it's you can't call it defense. They're tied for eighth most <laughs> in errors in baseball. Their fielding percentage is twenty fourth out of thirty. How many runs have come after an error that's kept an inning going? Either they didn't turn a double play, they didn't get the first out, so they couldn't get the second out. It's constant and fundamentals. They, and so they why, don't have any. So why can't I quit them? What, I, because what, what you're a fan. I mean, it's really that simple. Me There's nuts. nothing more to it. I mean, the second you texted me and said they just scored a couple runs, they we're down seven to two, and I was dumb enough to turn it back on. I mean, <laughs> you're welcome. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm your pusher. I'm out there. I'm but out but there. I got to tell you, it, it, I can't. If you f- rewind three years before Bryce Harper came here, and now go to the present day. In your lifetime, have you ever changed your opinion more about a player in any sport than Bryce Harper, the national, so, to Bryce Harper, So it's funny. This guy. I didn't change my opinion about him as a player. He is who I thought he was on the field. It's the person off the field that I see, the, oh, the see, player I think off it's the all field. Of it. Like, I, I don't know. I expected to get, I, I didn't expect to get, you know, his second 300, 430 home run season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the second best batting average in the league. He's also got, I think on he has base, the best OPS. In yeah, the he's on base league. more than anybody not named Juan Soto. He's in the top five in nearly every defensive category, even though he missed 21 games. Mm-hmm. And yet, despite this, the Phillies are 183 and 185 since he joined the team <laughs> because they just haven't put it around them. Like, right, because they have because their bullpen is putrid. It, again, it, the, they had a seven plus bullpen. You, you know, previously. you you texted me the other day. You were looking at the Dodgers. Yes, and you were saying Clay, to me, Clay you were saying Kershaw to me, is the fourth pitcher yes. on that first starter on that team now. And it's not just the starting pitchers; mm-hmm. it's their bullpen. Yeah, they, like they, they have the second ERA. best bullpen in the major leagues. It's ridiculous. Now, now. Their their salary <laughs> yes, is up there. Their payroll is through the roof. But um, can I just ask that no. players stop being doctors? By the way. Oh really? What do you want to go into, Doctor Bombay? I mean, Doctor like, Doctor. Uh, oh, by the way, for for those that don't know, Doctor Didi. That that's from Bewitched. <laughs> do- doc- so, doc- so have I old, have I old, have I aged myself? Doctor Didi, who says his elbow is not getting better because of his COVID shot. What I, is his I excuse don't... for his bad defense? Then I think he has 18 errors this season. And and when you texted me and told me that it, he said that his elbow problems are related to the vaccine, he had elbow oh. problems before that. He's had elbow problems for years. Can we just stop this? That's, You're having a bad season. Wh- what is what does that have to do with the fact that he can't feel the ground ball? Th- that's what I, that's I mean, my question. Like, what's the point like of what, this? What's stuff? the point in saying it? That's what I don't get. Even just, if, it, if look, you, you want to believe it, it, tell the doctor to go out and yes, say it. Tell somebody else. I mean, we don't need to hear it. 
All right. We I really w- don't. I want to get into a little. Meanwhile, but but before we go off that subject, and I don't, you know, we don't like to talk about this too much. Did you see the NHL said that they're that by the start of the season they're anticipating I think ninety eight to ninety nine percent of their They've entire been league most will be vaccinated. Proactive league. Yeah. In terms of like, I think they said it'll be like twelve to fifteen players total. It's very impressive yeah. what they've done. And meanwhile, you've got outbreaks with other teams, and you've got you know managers and coaches resigning because they say they don't want to live up to the mandate. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to continue to be an ongoing thing. Uh, Jeff, I'm not going overboard in our last five minutes on Rutgers the show. football. No, well, I'll watch Rutgers mm, tomorrow. Okay. They play Delaware. I'm excited. Two and zero. About to be going to be a rough if, one. If they win three and zero, then they'll mm-hmm. they'll play Michigan next week. So we'll and they will and they will beat Michigan. In we'll have plenty. Just of, so you know, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. You would never hear the end of that. Oh, I'm not coming to work tonight. <laughs> just so you know, I'm not going to go overboard on the Eagles. But was I wrong with six and eleven? Yes. Oh, I thought you were. You just said, "Was I wrong?" Was I wrong? I, with, was I wrong is. with six and eleven? Now I did say I thought they would win yes, the first game. Yes, you were game. wrong. I told you you were wrong then. All right. So where do you think they are now, based on that? Now you don't they're react f- off one game, but they, are they like nine and eight? They're a nine and eighteen. Okay. Yes. And so do you think they win this week? Because I kind of do. San Francisco's got a ton of injuries. Their defensive backfield, they lost their starting defensive backfield. Yeah, but their ACL. defensive line is so strong. So that's a question. So the, so Can Maialata hold up against Bosa is the matchup. It, it's just, no, but that whole line is strong. So, so you're going to have to be able to pass the ball. You and are. you are going to have to. They're going to have to be swing passes. You're going to have to not be patient back there. You're going to have to. It's going to be one, two, three. Throw it. And if and if there's nobody open, get rid of it. You otherwise he's going to get sacked, which they did a lot, which they did very well against Atlanta. Who, in fairness, is Atlanta. Yeah, but I mean, come on, it, it, that's that's apples and oranges. I mean, the look, San Atlanta Francisco was defense, still a favorite going into the game. The odds makers thought that they were the better team. I was surprised at the discipline that I saw while at the same time just how sloppy and how many penalties there were. <laughs> how many plays how many plays does their their new toy get instead of Jimmy Garoppolo? Who um well um Trey Lance. Trey Lance, yeah. Well, that's the it's their shiny new toy. That's the thing is they sort of have what we had last year with Wentz and Hurts. You mm-hmm. you have a a quarterback who you say is still going to be your quarterback and a shiny new toy who you want to work in, and, and how does that ever work out? By the way, how excited are you? The Colts are now going to do an in-season... Um, that could be really interesting because you could be right around the time where he's about 70% of the plays, yeah. and it's a question of whether it converts to a first-round pick or not. Oh, So that could be very interesting. Jeff, did you see the gambling numbers from week one? No, you know I don't look at that stuff. I know you don't. 50, I, I look at it when you text it to me. <laughs> 58.2 million online tra- Transactions yeah. in 18 sports books in different states, a hundred and twenty six percent increase. And the underdogs went eleven and four in week one. Now we're not like betting on gambling, but again, I, I do it not to me. show I do it to show well, I'm over that. That's right. <laughs> I've, I've been there, mm-hmm. I've lost yeah, that. Don't but you I don't want to be implicated in this. Yeah, I've I've been there, I've lost that, I'm all good. But the all, TV all the, ratings the, up are, are up huge, too. Yeah. And are the t- is the correlation direct and only because of gambling? Or is it because there's fans back? Is there more excitement? I think it's because we're all stuck in our homes for the most part. People are just gambling more. No, but the TV, but the TV ratings are up again this season. Yeah, they were down right. last year, and there yeah, was a lot of talk of ratings being down. Yeah, but there was also because, remember, last season you didn't know whether the game was going to take place or not. There was always that threat of whether the game was going to be canceled. That's not here anymore. And I think I think everybody not having that like it, sports is escapism. 
And last year, it wasn't escapism. So even though you could escape from your life by watching it, it wasn't escaping from the problems that we were all dealing with. And I think now that we're going back to our lives, one of those things that is part of a lot of our lives is Sundays watching football, not Thursdays. Sundays watching football. I don't know about you. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. (laughs) Come on, you watch Saturday football. You watch your college football. You know, I actually have a question for for our our NFL expert. Are you doing your death pool this year? Yeah, I'm in the, I picked the Panthers this past week. How did that work out for you? They won. All right. I, th- I think you should pick the Packers this week. I haven't even looked up the lineup. It's been, I've been so The busy. Packers are playing the Lions. The Packers lost last week. Aaron Rodgers had his worst game of his career. I think they scored, what, three points? Do, do you so know you think they're, they're playing angry. They're playing the worst team in the NFL. Who, you by don't the think way, they're taking it who, out by on the them way, this year? Put up 400 plus yards against this San Francisco defense that the Eagles are going to play this week. I don't okay. like messing with so, interdivision games. Like, I get it, but. <laughs> We'll we'll have to see who Brett ends up picking. Uh, Jeff is active in his fantasy football league. Not anymore. <laughs> Why not, Jeff? <laughs> Be- because this week I'm already down by 50 <laughs> points because of a kicker. Yeah, that's what happens when Graham Gano starts. So, all right. Are you like... No. <laughs> no. So you got the Phillies this weekend. Yeah. Um, Union lost the other night. That yeah. was unfortunate. We'll mm-hmm. talk more about that next week. What is on the Jeff viewing schedule? I know Ted Lasso will get a view. We've got about you know fifty seconds. Left I, I, I don't know about you. I, I can't get enough <laughs> of that. The big disappointment is at the end of every show that I have to wait another week. You and like that show because it makes you happy, which I, I think. I is think cool. it don't. I mean, even when they deal with serious issues, there's just moments of that show that are just they're just great. They just make you smile, and I think that's uh, Ted Lasso's magic is that it just makes you smile every week. I definitely like the show. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Michigan at noon. Go Blue. Rutgers after that. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. What do you say, Ghost Scarlet? Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. What?